Ahoy! In honor of The Last Voyage of the Demeter, what is your favorite movie with a doomed boat in it? I'm Katie Rich, and you probably expect me to say Titanic, and I probably should say Titanic, but you know what's another great movie with a doomed boat in it? The highest grossing movie of 2022, Avatar The Way of Water. Doomed boat. Great movie. (laughs) I am Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Captain Phillips. Let me do my impression here. I'm the captain now. I am the, the captain turned, now. The it's, boat it's turned great out okay, though, back. in the end. Yeah. Well, it worked out. I thought, it, I mean, it was a little doomed. It, not, <laughs> it's it, totally it wasn't doomed. a seamless trip. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me, David the Seven, and I just watched Sharknado for the first time within an hour of recording this, so my mind is screaming, Jaws. That boat is doomed. Do I ask what inspired you to watch Sharknado for the first time? We're doing shark movies on David Neal's Pop Culture Adventure Patreon Ah. podcast. Because I hate sharks. And they did like to torture me. But, you know, I was fine with Sharknado. That is an unrealistic circumstance, unlike other (laughs) shark movies. (laughs) Unlike Jaws, which is very realistic and likely to happen to you. Climate change. A lot of things are happening right now. I mean, next week we're doing The Shallows, and I'm terrified. Yeah. I think you're safe from the sharks in Denver for now, but maybe not forever. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's it's Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 440. It is the week of Wednesday, August 9th. That's the day that in 1974, Richard Nixon resigned as president of the United States and Gerald Ford took over. Can you imagine a president feeling such shame for his or her he would resign. That, that they would resign? That would be great. <laughs> I mean, if he did that, maybe we'd think <laughs> about pardoning you, you know? that's if you, if you take yeah. yourself out of the game, then we get worried about the civil war divide I, anyway wait this is I, have also, a, uh, I have an important uh, update here no this yeah, is yeah, more important whatever you're gonna nixon, say about this show there's, i have more to say <laughs> about richard, richard nixon, nixon on this podcast <laughs> have you ever been to his presidential library i have no i have been to have you been to a presidential library this is an important podcast tape let's let's talk about this have you been to a presidential library no, no. there are libraries um mm-hmm. And they're full of presidential things. Uh, Richard Nixon's is in California, and they relocated his childhood home to the premises. So there is his actual home now lives next to the constructed library, and then next to that is just a big fucking helicopter, um, like a, a wartime helicopter. And uh, I, I find the whole thing fascinating. You you wonder. I I have never been to another presidential library. They're all kind of bespoke. The whole deal is you actually have to find a contractor to build them. So there's questions of like, because I don't think Obama has, right? I don't think Obama has a library yet. Hard to imagine Trump, like, where would that live and what would it be like? Um, On the archives.gov website, it has like a website for all of these libraries, but I don't think that there are physical ones. There's a Clinton one. There are definitely lots of physical presidential libraries. And then yes. the uh, the Nixon one is cool. It has like a a replica interior of the ballroom at the White House that you can just kind of pretend to dance in if you want. Nonsense. But thank you, Nixon, I guess, for laying yeah, down the yeah, cash yeah. or getting the building some history. I've been in your house. I mean, 
I've been Thank in your you, fucking Nixon, house, Richard Nixon. Moving, yeah, moving your childhood house to somewhere where I could pee on it and not be worried about <laughs> current owners. That's thank you, Richard Nixon. You know, I was thinking at um at Dollywood, you can see a replica of Dolly Parton's childhood house, which is just truly the a two room log cabin. I don't know. I think yeah, I don't know how much it's real, but it's like a really shabby house. Like it isn't going to survive for it was long. An but anyway, log cabin. Oh yeah, she grew up like real poor on the top of a mountain in Tennessee. Um. But I wonder how many like famous childhood homes you that are like visit. created to look like their childhood. Yeah, like how many of them are out there? This is there are fifteen presidential libraries in our podcast. I think this is this is relevant conversation. If uh, just to tease what's ahead in this episode, this is relevant. Well, I was going to say August 9th is also the day that Fat Boy hit Nagasaki, but apparently <laughs> Richard Nixon's uh, presidential library is more important, says Matt Patton. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I chose the more fun one. It's okay. We learned about Nixon. And good news. We have one review on the old iTunes, and we got one email. Let's knock them out. This four-star review from eros underscore slash uh, underscore pods is titled Pickle Pizza! Exclamation <laughs> point. Hi, Fitware. Love the show. I've been a big fan for years and love the witty banter, movie talk, and random tangents. Not enough for five stars, though. I'm finally <laughs> Wait until this past uh, random tangent. You'll love this episode. You'll bump that star up after our Richard Nixon presidential library chat. <laughs> I'm finally writing in to react to Katie's comment about pickle pizza at the Alamo for TMNT, one of the best pizza places New York style in Chicago called Bob's Pizza is famous for the amazing pickle pizza. Mm. It has mortadella, garlic cream sauce, cheese, and pickles, and it's truly phenomenal. Hope you get to visit it and try sometime. Thanks for entertaining us every week. Wow, that really does sound delicious. I didn't get yes. that when we we're going to talk about Ninja Turtles and my draft house experience. We did not get the pickle pizza. I, I think I regret it. Probably not as good as but that was, though. And if you could leave us a iTunes review, we will uh, read it on the show if it's the in the American uh, store. And if not, uh, you can uh, please rate us five stars and leave an international review so we could find people in your country. But you could also email that to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. Like this person, Alex, who uh, emailed this subject, lovely podcast and questions for Dave. Ooh, I'm Dave. Okay. Uh, Alex writes, hi, whatever Fit War host this episode will have. Uh, timely. I love the podcast. <laughs> I have to say, regarding the episode last week, it really felt like it was Little Gold Men with Dave as a special guest, considering how little typing there was. Even though I missed the other two hosts that have definitely never hosted this podcast before. Since we had Katie talk about what she thought about Barbie, I would like to hear Dave's thoughts on Oppenheimer. Also, Dave, I don't know if you have access to this kind of information, but do you have any knowledge about the Marvel book coming to Brazil? Would love to pre-order if it's available here. Oh, cool. So Alex is in Brazil. Uh, Oppenheimer. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's a movie that uh, is, puts you so far in Oppenheimer's head that you spend the first half of the movie really excited to get the bomb done, a uh, period of time where you're just in awe of it, and then the rest of the movie, which does get a little sorkiny, but I really enjoy it because it boils down to uh, if uh, the white men in tiny rooms that are running the world aren't paying attention to the consequences of their actions, they will absolutely set the atmosphere on fire or its equivalent. Uh, and then the uh, other answer to your question is we are getting an international Brazilian version of MCU, the reign of Marvel Studios. It's going to be put out by Editoria Record down there. 
um, and it'll be put out in Portuguese. I don't know when, uh, but if you want to head to their website, we'll list it as soon as it's available. I think it's in the translation process, is my understanding. Uh, Dave, I know so, yeah. you pre-read the emails, and I don't, but like the speed with which you answered both of those questions is really impressive. You were just so ready. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, uh, talking about Oppenheimer is something that I have to do in normal social circumstances. Yeah, because uh, people see know. movies A now. It's great. Yeah. seeing these movies. People are seeing movies, and so now when we I'm in are public relevant people, again. <laughs> we're back we Don't made it through the pandemic used to it hey i Do see think... movies that's what i say when i interject in crowds of people now <laughs> to uh to talk shit about david while he's gone do you think he's ever going to reconsider his uh wrong oppenheimer stance or is he going to dig his heels in Wait, i've known him to reconsider things he just thought it wasn't that good remember we yelled at him about it for a while i thought he you did for like an hour and a half God, yeah i guess i was just so blown away by oppenheimer that's not a <laughs> yeah he was he was he was being wrong about how how good the movie was. So I'm curious if where he'll Not land for on him. in four months. You're on I know. the right it's... side of history, David. <sighs> don't be a uh, a Casey Affleck or a uh, don't wow. be a Betty yeah, Safdie in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> really don't. Uh, review us on Apple Podcasts or and or send us emails to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. On with the show. Well, it's August and there's not a lot of movies out there for us to talk about. So I'm getting away with talking about some random nonsense, which seems to be what people like hearing sometimes. And I threw this out as kind of a joke and Patches seemed very interested in it. But I pulled out an external hard drive over the weekend that has been mm. floating around. I don't think I had plugged it in since both of my kids were born, maybe. Like it's been a, there's really nothing on there of substance. I have stored most of anything in Google Drive and iCloud. I have kind of no archives to speak of. What from prompted you the, to plug it in? It was in a closet where it didn't belong, and I kept like meaning to deal with it. And I was like, I'm going to plug it in, see if I can get rid of it. Um, and turned out there was a lot of stuff on there, and it was better organized than I thought it was going to be. And I couldn't fit all of it in the transfer process, so it's still around. I'm hoping it has legs on it. But it had a whole bunch of stuff, and a lot of stuff from when I was at Cinema Blend, which is where I worked when this podcast started under a different name. And when I would do things like go to a junket and do an interview and have a flip camera in my hand and set it oh, up yeah. like three mm -hmm, feet from mm -hmm. a person's face. So I have videos of like Michael Fassbender and Lena Dunham and like wow. some fucking random star from a movie in 2010, like very up close, uh, completely like, why did anyone let me film like this? I have no idea. Um, what movies and, do you think Michael Fassbender and Lena Dunham were promoting? Uh, these were separate movies. Uh, Michael Fassbender was promoting um, Fish Tank. Uh, actually, I'm going to oh, wow. see if I can get this folder. So you really like, got him access. early in his Yeah, I got him early. Arc. I've got one. There's one with Edgar Wright for Scott Pilgrim, it looks like. There's one with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Sam Taylor Wood, like before sure. they were married, like when they had first gotten together on when that Sunday. Nowhere movie. Boy. Is There's that the videos name of it? John Lennon. Uh, Nowhere Boy. There's videos wow. from the Good red carpet me. at CinemaCon with Robert Downey oh, Jr. Course. about due dates. Where you um, were probably just, the only woman and all of the men around you were just slobbering. Uh more just or disgusting. less. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe. Oh. There's like the Christopher Nolan from the same vibe. So 
like there's all of this stuff that is sort of garbage and sort of not like I have it. I'm really glad that there is like evidence that I have talked to any of these people. I don't know if I will ever watch any of these videos in full again. I don't know who would. So I'm not going to throw it away. I'm glad that I have it. It's up there in the cloud somewhere. But I did have this moment of like, what do my archives mean? Should I try to make some kind of effort to make more archives from my time at Vanity Fair, which has been a more significant job in my life, but I'm not filming videos or they're not my own videos or like I'm making a podcast, but it's not, I'm not editing it. So I don't have the original files on my computer. Is it okay to get rid of those? Should I back them up somewhere? How much does any of this matter? I don't know the answer to it let yet. Let me go and even I'm wondering how here. we're all handling our archives. Let me let me go even deeper here. I don't know about you, but I've had my Gmails for a long time, and I am now at a part where every like two or three weeks, my email is telling me I should probably buy more storage because mm-hmm. I'm at I'm at like ninety eight percent full. Oh boy, I'm at eighty percent. Um, it's been warning me. But I, I cannot got delete enough email to get there. I'm trying. Really trying. It's this is not a like an inbox zero problem. This is when you've had the same email for your entire life problem. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that I don't think people are thinking about, and they shouldn't necessarily think about this, but I've been thinking about it a lot after reading the Oppenheimer biography. I've been thinking a lot about it. I'm now embarking on the 900 page Napoleon A Life book in advance Ooh. of the Ridley Scott. Ooh, uh, already having good. already having a lot of fun. Let's go, Katie. Let's book club this. Let's see if we can uh, do nine hundred pages before we see Ridley Scott and uh, Joaquin Phoenix's <laughs> Napoleon blow up pyramids or whatever. Um, it's a lot of fun because the first opening, you know, all these great biographies start with throat clearing and being like. Uh, just to let you know, all the other biographies were wrong. And actually, <laughs> I've read these letters, and Napoleon is not a bad guy. He's, <laughs> and for over 900 pages, we will consider how he really cared about shit, except he was still fascist and didn't want the press to speak. Um, but the emphasis uh, on, on I'm, you know, I'm 100 pages into this massive biography, and the Oppenheimer one is very similar all of this research is coming from letters. Like, where? how do you tell the stories of people who become important? Old people from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, you rely on firsthand accounts, but a lot of those accounts are, are letters. People would send letters back and forth to each other and send a lot of details about their lives. We learn from people the way that they communicate with other people privately. Now, I think a lot about that, not that I am important or something, but there's a micro version of this. I've, I've talked to people aging up into their 60s, 70s, clearing their homes out. And I was talking mm-hmm. to someone recently about like they found this stack of letters to their wife. And it was like really embarrassing for them. They were going to throw them out. I was like, you're going to throw your letters out, you know, like to their might... current wife. Oh, you can't do that if it's like right. an ex. Sure. Right, but but that they were mortified. This was like their twenty-year-old self writing letters that were really emotional or like really personal. Were they spicy? I don't know. I I mean, I haven't read these letters, but the point that I'm connecting between like letters of famous people and and letters of personal people is that this is where your raw-natured self comes through, and other people in your life might want to 
to read that. Like, it's you're not saving those letters for you necessarily. I think you save those letters for people to find them maybe when you're gone or like learn about you more. Like the things that you couldn't say at the time, maybe you would want to pass that down. Or maybe for some reason you will become important and your letters do become vital to telling the history of your life or this time in your life, this era. How do we tell what modern history will be? And and what where I get existential about this is looking at my inbox and being like, we 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 don't take we don't think email is mail. We don't think email is writing letters to people. But I have all these old emails of past friends, old girlfriends, you're not saying that like I just see like this whole life lived and I'm like, mm-hmm. should I get rid of this or should I port this over probably to an external hard drive? I, I think you're crazy. But like an external hard drive external can fail. Hard drive. The cloud can't fail? I know this is the thing. Like I moved it into the cloud because it felt like, you know, if my external hard drive falls off a shelf or like the hardware dies, like two of the one of the external hard drives I found of the two, it just wouldn't like it didn't work. Like the disk spun and nothing happened. Like that can happen really easily. But you don't think you owe the people of the of you don't think you owe your children or your loved ones some reference to you like if you were oh, sure. cast like Oh would yeah. Would you want them to have your email? Are you thinking about that? No, but like I feel fine about the theory. Most of my email is incredibly boring. The problem is like curation, right? Like if you're not writing a biography about me and all the important work I did on fighting in the war room from 2010 to 2023, like you don't need all the bullshit of us emailing back and forth once a week for 13 years. So like having to <laughs> force my kids to cut through that clutter, like do you not then per- like I'd be fine with them like rifling through my Gmail, but like it's so overwhelming that like what would be the point? My screenplay <clears throat> in my my thesis screenplay for the Department of Dramatic Writing at NYU was a mystery that took place in uh, then current time, so 2006, 2007. Uh, and the other put place took place, uh, the other part took place like 70 years in the future where uh, someone had scraped the internet and there was a whole category of people called digital archivists who would learn defunct programming languages like HTML to sort through all the stuff that was scraped and was then unusable basically to create sort of digital archives. So I thought about this for a lot, which is why as soon as I had enough money to just be stockpiling external hard drives, I keep, uh, you know, right now I'm recording all of our tracks on Zoom. I'm recording a backup. I'm recording a track that's just me. I'm recording a track that's just you two. Uh, and that all goes immediately into a hard drive, basically for archiving purposes. So I have probably like six years of fighting in the war room in that sort of thing. Yeah, the good news uh, is if any of us lose our voices, they'll be able to make one of those computerized <laughs> voice boxes very easy. Yes, well, I, I did have that for so long. I could do that for you guys in, in a week, if Thank you gave me a week. Bless I did you. have the moment of like, should I download all the fighting in the war rooms and put this on this external hard drive so I can have this? I was like, Dave, I'll have it. As long as Dave isn't in my life. I'll I keep backing up the, uh, the MP3s as well, because I'm very paranoid about that. Uh, I was really early into HTML and PHP in like my junior year of uh uh high school Don't do so drugs. when i when i went to oh, <laughs> when i went to college uh i sort of 
uh, one of my methods of keeping to get uh, up to date with my friends was my personal blog, uh, mm. which was on something that I hosted, uh, and I still have uh access to that web space i'm in the process of closing it down to public access it doesn't need to be there but that is something where it's like i have it on a backup drive mm. but also it's taking up some web space space uh just in case i ever need it uh, right now i'm looking at my vimeo account which has uh kdc's back to the future uh for the first time in theaters with <laughs> cineboobs and uh, matt patch's verse for loco oh, yeah, no uh, one oh god uh so i obsessively archive this and the interesting thing is when you guys were talking uh java and i have recently started uh doing stuff in case we randomly die uh and -hmm. making sure that we could get into each other's accounts slash bank accounts roll over like that's just recently did you got to get the the password hardcover book your home yes well, I we have a Excel spreadsheet that references password one, password two, and then they're in the books and they're numbered. So don't hack it's, Dave, it, everyone listening out there. Don't I mean, you could hack me, but then you have to find the book. You'd have like, to get through the uh, clues. It's a real dial of destiny process where there's five <laughs> MacGuffins. Yeah. Uh, but um, I remember talking about that and I was like, yeah, then, you know, you'll have access to my Gmail and all my external hard drives. And she's like, all right, but I'm not, I'm not like an archivist. I'm not sorting through it. I'm just getting access to it. So hopefully I'm not super important because, uh, or well, I guess I o- have to be. The other thing I would stress to you and to, to Katie on the same way, like Katie, you're in a very specific position where you have all this video of famous people. Mm-hmm. And that is very useful, whether like someone might write a book about Michael Fassbender one day and mm-hmm. might go searching for every ounce of you know on the record detail or like video audio anything to to cobble together this person's story you have that so you actually have part of history however strange and and pointless like on these hard Matt patches verse four loco is history that is however strange and pointless i will say this like this is my reporter brain really going off which is we are now in an era where the people who will get biographies written about them are more guarded and private than ever. Everything is behind many closed doors. It's much harder to obtain Mark Zuckerberg letters than it is Napoleon's letters and the correspondence. So actually many ordinary, ordinary, I'm using quotes here, just like working people have the documentation to help write the histories of the future and what they think is insignificant is actually very important. A lot of that might be guarded by NDAs, but not forever, and maybe not for as long as like it really matters. You know, like you could, you might hold history in your inbox and think it's just email, but it's actually vital to telling stories that other important figures in this world would guard with the utmost secrecy. And we, and, and secrecy is bad for learning about the past. And I, I worry a lot about like how inconsequential we think email is and the correspondence that we have today. But you read these biographies, it's like, it's vital. How would we tell Oppenheimer's story today? I don't know. Not, we'd need those emails. Yeah. Save your emails. I'm a hoarder. I will say I'm that. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a hoarder. I am no, a hoarder. I, I find it easier to figure out. I mean, I'm like looking through my like cinema blend folder and I have a bunch of PDFs of what I had written at Sundance that year. And like, that's the kind of thing that like 
we should all be doing people who write on the internet because like these websites can just fall apart any minute and like that's true for vanity fair too like vanity fair archives will live on in some point in print but like the digital stuff who knows um but then there's the point where i'm just like do i care do i need my 2010 sundance review of i'm gonna try to I, I close the folder i want to find an example of something i wrote at sundance that no one would possibly care about um i don't know i have a bunch of well, videos I mean, of uh, me and patches recording video the... blogs at sundance in our yeah, youth. yeah. They're, they're all rough drafts for katie rich rich's big book of movie reviews it's just like <laughs> what did i see at sundance in 2010 oh yeah i mean i i, I do that's the reason that I'm so hesitant to delete a whole bunch of things is uh, especially coming off the Marvel book. It was so nice having the drafts of all of my columns that I did at Latino review for like years, like as it was happening. Yeah. Uh, to use as reference, uh, even just to make sure that I was like getting dates right. Like I remember this happened around here. Did I write about it? Yes. I'm glad I had it. Uh, and then uh, also when I was going back and doing notes, They'd be like, Dave, where'd you get this quote? And I'd be like, oh, my God. And luckily, I at some point started sending like links and emails to myself. But now that's just something I do all the time. I've become much more obsessed with keeping a record of what I'm learning because I guess I'm getting old and it's harder to recall exactly yes. where I learned something. So I have like, you know, a notebook with me when I'm reading now, which didn't used to happen. I used to just be like, yeah, that was a good Goosebumps book. I'm going to remember that forever. Uh, but now I need, I, I have to like take obsessive notes about it. So I think being your own personal arch archivist to a degree is good. And then if you really get into it and it gets to the point what Patches is doing, you could sort things for yourself, like, you know, old college emails or something, something. I'm very interested that Patches has gotten here since he was the one that was like, I'm deleting all my tweets, oh, uh, like, a, like a couple years bad. back. No, I'm I'm still well, well, I will say no, no, Dave, I let me say this. I didn't just delete my tweets. I downloaded the full archive of the tweets and then I deleted them. Mm -hmm. And then deleted the I don't tweets. Need I have them an to archive of my tweets. I need them to exist somewhere else so that the aliens no, I'm sorry, the futuristic robots from AI can come mm -hmm. back and construct my world for my sad robotic son who is frozen at the bottom of the ocean because I abandoned him because I just thought it was a little much and mm -hmm. he gets one more teary moment with me thanks to the tweet archive that the <laughs> robots will be building out of I, I mean to, to wrap up here's my big question for you Katie you're talking about this digital archive that you're, that you're building I, when, you, when you talk about like Sundance reviews for 2010 do you need them I, don't, I actually don't know what you need those for but here's the twist <laughs> What would you? What should you print out? Why are know. you relying so heavily on digital archiving, which you know will fail yeah. at some point, and that even your future children may not even be able to access with the, the the technology they have? I mean, they could go to great lengths to do it, as we can with technology from fifty years ago. But like a hardbound book of your work in a binder will last the test of time. You'll yeah. be in Station Eleven or whatever going around reciting Shakespeare and also your reviews from Sunday telling people about what was uh, what the Oscar buzz from 2018 was oh my. yeah 
you're gonna be at an abandoned airport performing <laughs> little gold men transcripts. I don't know. I, she's gonna be at an abandoned airport and we're gonna be performing Matt Patches versus Fro Loco. <laughs> There's something to this though, right? Like, shouldn't we be printing things out and like making those last? What what should what do you really want to last? And I mean, I have a degree made... of self curation. Like, I think everyone should have to ask make that, that call. question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm lucky that I've made magazines. Like, I work on two right. issues a year that, that like, are there for me. But yeah, that's not most of what I do. And a lot of it is podcasts. Like, truly, I don't know what to do other than to have MP3 files of my podcast somewhere because they won't be on the internet forever. And it's a huge amount of my life. But then there's the other part of me that's like, what if it's just gone? Like, Burn what if it CD. passes? Burn a CD hits, of your greatest hits. <laughs> what are my greatest hits? That you can play in the car for your grandchildren one day. Your, the, what, the, what kind of future car has a CD player in it? Kids, <laughs> settle down. We're going to talk about Soul Surfer. <laughs> they loved this one back in the day. I would oh, love to hear from any listeners who feel like watch. they've figured this out. I mean, not everyone publishes things on the internet and doesn't, you know, there's a whole other question about like family photos, which I actually do feel like I've got a decent grasp on, but that's a separate conversation. Um, if anyone has good answers, let me know. As a matter of fact, if we don't have it already, I bet we're like three or four months out of an AI. It's just like, yeah, I'll read all your files and save the important ones. Mm. Mm. That's true. Yeah, I said the end of the movie AI, it's those robots. <laughs> they come... Right, 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 right. Patches says what he needs is another David in his life. Good to know. This is going to be shorter than my last topic. Uh, so at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it opened before any, you know, at, I saw it at the draft house. There were, like, there were only a couple of previews, not a ton of pre-roll. But it opens with a like junket shot uh, with a poster in the background of Seth Rogen, presumably recorded before the SAG after strike, saying, hello, welcome to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making it possible for me to make movies. Enjoy the show. Blah, blah, blah. A very similar video with uh, Chris McCory and Tom Cruise ran before Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Why are these a thing now? Does this, does this help okay. bring people back to theaters when they're already sitting in the theater having bought their ticket? I'm not opposed to them, but it does have this desperation vibe to it of them, all these celebrities being like, thank you. Oh, my God. We really didn't think anybody was showing a show up. We're so glad you're here. Uh, or do we think it's helping get people back in theaters? Well, Drafthouse specifically has done this for years. Not Have exactly they? the same tone. Not not the, not the desperation tone that you're <laughs> that you're getting from the like. But you know what I mean about the desperation, the right? Movies. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely post-pandemic. Like, please, please come to the movies. You know, but the they're already there. Do... They're there. So you think it's redundant? You think it's like. It is, it's a little redundant, but it's, it doesn't hurt anything. Obviously, these people are recording all these videos for God knows what. Like, tossing it on there before the screening is not going to hurt anything. It kind of breaks a fourth wall, I would say, to have Tom Cruise be like, hey, I'm Tom Cruise. Thanks for being at my movie. No, <laughs> here comes Ethan Hunt. Um, with Seth Rogen, it's less significant because he's, you know, it's an animated movie. Uh, I don't think there was one before Barbie. And, but, and like Barbie being like the biggest movie of the year, maybe it's because they didn't seem so desperate about it. 
Wow. Although that's not true. They were advertising was everywhere. I don't know. Where do you guys land on these things? I, Dave? I have a layer uh, theory here. I'm, I'm always like, hey, they... It, for me, it plays like they really want you to know the star is pushing the film, and specifically the film and the theatrical experience. So uh -huh. I remember a lot of these... I think there was like one before, you know, like Woman King or something when we were like right on the edge of like pandemic like version. Uh, it was like, you know, thank you for showing up to see this movie in the you know format it was intended, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So like reminding people, like, tell your friends it's not just that you're seeing the movie it's that you're seeing it here. That's a pat on the back for you coming, dragging your butt out there. And uh, Lord knows that theatrical experience isn't normalized uh, to the degree that. Not you everyone know, gets you, to see you, Tom Cruise. So when Tom Cruise speaks to them and says, "Hey, thanks <laughs> but, to you," but he he's in the whole movie after that. He's right. Yeah, there. but not talking <laughs> right. to you. He's not yeah, talking yeah. to you. <laughs> when, when, you rent, when you rent it off of your digital platform or when you stream a Mission Impossible movie, it does not have that. At and I saw Tom Cruise being like, "What the fuck are you doing? Why? I mean, yeah, like, like, I, what? Were you not alive? Were you like <laughs> too young when I started making these movies?" I, I joke, but there's something to that where especially as the audience gets younger and maybe more skeptical of needing to go to the movies and they have a lot of people speaking directly at them all the time. There's a lot of parasocial relationships going mm. on. And to and I think movies are the sort of thing that people are... It's becoming less and less clear who makes them and that they come from real people, that they aren't manifested by, like, IP machines that crank out new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And, and especially with Seth Rogen with an animated movie, you don't even know who is in the movie. Most people don't know when yeah. they go to see the Turtles. They're just seeing the Turtles that it looks like Spider-Verse, and it's cool. I'm going to go see it. Oh, Seth Rogen? Oh, he made it? Oh, he thanks me for being, like, that but I, again, I'm part of the again, they've already bought the ticket. Yes, but you don't know what went into it. You need to tell, you need to create a relationship with the movies, not just going to see them in a passive way. When you start thinking about who makes them, you create an added layer. I mean, well, why, you're making why, me, yeah. I, in, in my digging through our archives, I found our uh, interviews from the John <laughs> Carter junket in 2012, oh where Disney paid a goddamn fortune to fly itself out to the desert. And there. like, I Willem can't Defoe say. In the mountains, the rocky <laughs> desert mountains. I can't so, say you're that thark. I. Didn't feel more generous toward John Carter after talking to those people being like, yeah, you know, we're really like trying to dig into the mythology like that does work. And you're making me wonder if this is a 30 second version of that where they're just like, hey, like our movie more. And then it kind of you kind of do. I, oh, I you mean, know, no one's paying us to say like our movie this time. So like <laughs> our movie. He had a layer of this. And I've been thinking a lot about this with the SAG and the gay strikes, specifically the SAG strike where it just feels like we've come... I, I think we all know, everyone listening to this podcast knows that the, the movie stars is like an archaic uh, concept. Like, very few people can open a movie. The movie star concept is dead. It used to be so vital. You could just make whatever movie you wanted if you had a movie star to open that movie. And that's, that era is really past. I guess for a long time I've thought, Oh, it's just a changing sensibility that people are not are more into like Thor and Iron Man than they are real movie star people. We've invested more in IP, but 
lately with the SAG strike, I've realized, no, this is actually the, the movie studios being evil and trying to get us <laughs> invested in IP instead of movie stars. And like, I knew this in the back of my head, but the, 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 the way we've divested from movie stars is, is a plot from the movie studios to make us care less because they don't want to have to pay movie stars. They don't want movie stars to have the power. They want the studios to have the power. Um, so we've, we've reduced the awareness that people have and how movies are made and that people make them and that movie stars are part important. And I weirdly think that these bumpers that are obviously studio approved, but like they're a secret all, plot under the studio's nose. Yeah, they are that like Seth Rogen does matter. Tom Cruise does matter. And now I think the studios are trying to like scramble and, and reinvest in, in stars a little bit. Um, uh, and, and, and like Christopher Nolan doing this where he's like out there being like, let me give, do a featurette about 70 millimeter film. Like people matter and you need to evangelize about the movies to actually make movies work. Uh, and I, and I, this plot that the studios have had to destroy movie stardom is backfiring. And, and I think these bumpers are an indication that we're kind of trying to go back to movie stars. I don't think it's going to work, though, because they're still not minting new ones. This is a big... You thought this was a short mini-segment. It's, mm. it's the whole <laughs> goddamn conspiracy! I don't know that I would agree that they're not minting new ones. Um, it's okay, just the, the take, it takes a different shape. Um, but I feel like that's a conversation for another day. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I wish Christopher Nolan had shown up before my IMAX app and having me like, hello. Here's 15 Dude. minutes on what 70 millimeter is. Thank you. Watch Although I didn't see it in this 70. IMAX projector. <laughs> Watching me lift this 300 pound uh, IMAX. Six, film it's 600 reel. pounds. 600 the, the film pounds. reels, is, they're 600 pounds. We read That's a story on Polygon last week that was because I, I wanted to know, like, they've done a lot of featurettes about, oh, we, you know, we had to hire and train new projectionists just to be able to do the IMAX 70 millimeter spooling in in theaters and they're 600 pounds or 11 miles long and it, what an achievement and my big question is like what do you do with them after like where where do you put them and i guess they're still they're speaking of archiving they're going to archive these in a, a number of places on the universal mm. lot in the imax archives there aren't actually that many imax 70 millimeter films so i i guess there's enough space for them but and and then they're going to keep them in certain theaters so that they can show it again. Yeah. For Nolan. So if you see if you see like a Nolan retrospective at the Academy Museum in thirty years, it might be one of these prints of. It's going to be one of those original. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. But like eleven mile long print, you have to find a closet for that. That seems six hundred pounds. <laughs> but you know what? This is the hype we need in bumpers. <laughs> we're, we're way off track. I'm for bumpers. I'm not against them. I just, it, it was the desperation where I was just like, play cool, guys. We're here. Cruise is losing his cool. Cruise well, is no, no, Tom Cruise has no cool. And like Seth Rogen, like, it's fine. He's a friendly guy. He's, He's That's supposed <laughs> to be his vibe. I don't think there was any of that in that, but oh. there is something <laughs> in the movie, though. There's definitely hey. some with Turtles.
Jeff Rowe, co-director of Mitchells vs. the Machines, is back on screens with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles seventh cinematic outing. I've seen them all. Wow. Uh, I, did, I missed the first one in theaters, unfortunately, that lived on my house in VHS with a uh, very specific uh, Pizza Hut ad that took the place of a song about a kid who played right field. Uh, before it, and that song is still stuck in my head. Thanks, 1990s VHS tape. But <laughs> the Turtles, uh, that 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie released by New Line was the most financially successful independent film of the entire 90s, not dethroned until the release of the Blair Witch Project in 1999. It was like which, of all time at that point. Yes, uh, which you know fed uh, a bunch of turtle mania that was uh, left over from the '80s when these characters were created by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman to be. Uh, they were very stoned and were sort of uh, making a joke about how uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil was super grim, dark. Wouldn't it be funny if? And we got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, a joke. Uh, that got jokier as it went into animated uh, Saturday morning cartoon that became super successful, got jokier as they went on a uh, stadium live tour, which I also attended uh, at least once, but definitely love wow. that behind the scenes video. Uh, got a little serious uh, for some of their film installments. The first one is more of an adaptation of the uh, first comics, uh, so they aren't super jokey, although it's Secret of the Ooze. And Turtles 3, which uh, some people call Turtles in Time, but that's the video game. It's just called Turtles 3, uh, are significantly more goofy. Then we have TMNT, an animated version, which meant they could get some uh, bigger star names uh, to voice characters like Chris Evans or Patrick Stewart's the bad guy in that one. Uh, that sort of takes place outside of canon. Uh, it could be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, if that's what you want, or it could be the start of a new canon because we're dealing with ancient spirits trapped in statues, is my recollection. Uh, then there's two Michael Bay ones where they're like, what if the turtles look real and act like real horny teenagers, but we don't talk about them having sex organs? Uh, that was <laughs> those movies. Um, but those movies were financially successful, just not financially successful enough for their pretty large production budgets. So now we're back. We got uh, a whole bunch of uh, we got Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg uh, grabbing some other writers to make a, I believe, four or five writer credit uh, mutant mayhem that is taking a lot from the advancements in animation forwarded by Into the Spider-Verse. And this movie, if you've seen any previews of it, sort of has, I would call it like a stop motion that is then drawn over by a crayon and neon spray paint mm. sort of aesthetic. And uh, this one, as opposed to the previous six installments, really deals with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as teenagers first and mutants as like, second. As like children, like 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 young, very very young teenagers. teenagers. Yeah, and it and it's like successfully. Yes, I, I mean uh, that's a such a unique take on it that hasn't been explored. By the time you settle into this movie and realize how. Uh, young teenager it is uh, that it feels fresh uh, even though a lot of these characters have been seen in other mediums in this uh, film installment the turtles just want to be accepted by the human race they want to go to high school Michelangelo wants to join the improv group 
They want to be around other kids and be seen as normal. And they decide that the way, the easiest way to do this is to stop a supervillain that is uh, stealing lab equipment all around town. His name's Superfly. Uh, minor spoilers, he is a fly, but we don't know that at the time. <laughs> so they're like, let's take down Superfly and then the humans will love us and we will get to attend high school. Uh, an additional wrinkle that makes them think this might be possible is a teenaged April O'Neil uh, this time who uh, is wants to write about the turtles for her school paper. Uh, she was thinking about being a video journalist, but uh, puked the first time she was put on live broadcast. Don't worry, you get to see that in slow motion uh, in this movie. <laughs> this very ooze-filled movie, they would like me to call that instead of goop. Uh, but it definitely has some uh, gross-out humor pitched right at the same age as uh, the rest of the characters. Katie, you actually have children, so mm -hmm. although you might have less invested in it, I think uh, your reactions are certainly more interesting to me, to me rather than an old turtle head over here uh, who's been uh, enjoying them an in some sort of medium. An old turtle head. An old turtle head. Uh, what did you think about it, and what did your kids think about it? Uh, yeah, I took my kids to see it at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, the Draft House pre-roll had a bunch of uh, commercials for the old Ninja Turtles toys, which just like really, like like Prussian flashback. Like I just remembered those commercials like in the fiber of my being, and clips from the live touring show, which I'm very jealous that you got to see, Dave. Um, I think the humor, a lot of it is aimed like a little bit above them. Like Charlie, he's seven; he like can clock a lot of this stuff. Um, but he said afterward, he's like, it's a movie that was really funny. And I didn't get half of the jokes. I was like, mm, I think you got slightly more than half of them. Like what but like, kind of jokes do you think? Like, there, there's a, a lot of the humor comes in the kids, like these four turtles who are teenagers talking over each other. And you hear like little snippets and they're just like, wait, what did that one just say? And you laugh because like you get half of one of them saying something ridiculous and you realize you haven't heard the whole thing. Or then there's pop culture references. Like they talk about how like... You know, you think all humans are bad, and it's like, oh yeah, Beyonce is pretty cool. Like pop culture references that, like, is just my my particular improvise. What do you mean get... improvise? Well, you know, Mark Ruffalo improvised that whole scene as the Hulk in Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah, which is why there's a track on the soundtrack uh, called "Better Than Mark Ruffalo." Um, so little things <laughs> like that. Um, but like all the gross out stuff, and it, it's like again, like it's about young teenagers. There's nothing that's like inappropriate for kids in any way. It's all juvenile. It's all really silly. And any kid who's old enough to have that, like, my parents just don't get it. Like, they, I just want to do this thing, which, like, my kids, thank God, are not quite there yet. They'll be there very soon. Um, it's a really universal feeling in that. Um, it made me feel optimistic about having teenage boys because this version of the Turtles, like, they're weird and they're, they do stupid things and they're on their phones all the time and they're, like, sneaking out nuts. And, and Splinter's their dad in this version where I don't, is, has he ever been their dad before? Isn't he usually just, like, their sensei? Uh, yeah, they sort of some versions treat him as like a father figure, but yeah. that's usually a way to soften in something that started out, yes, as a sensei, yeah, as somebody who knew ninjutsu. Where in this movie, Splinter, voiced hilariously by Jackie Chan, <laughs> um, seems to like teach the turtles how to fight mostly for self defense and apparently off of movies and YouTube videos, yeah. Or at least that's what the montage appeared like to me. They show a bunch of clips of Bruce Lee. Did they show Jackie Chan clips? I couldn't quite figure out if you actually... It'd be funny if you did. Yeah, no, I don't think they did. I don't think it gets quite that meta. Uh, but <laughs> but he is really funny. 
uh, especially there's like a moment where he's like explaining like how they grew up and he's like, and when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. And you're like, ah, yeah. yes, just a little bit. And so Kids, John's like, where were you? I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, it's yeah, it's really funny. It moves really fast. Um, and but it's sweet in the in like in the same way that Superbad is sweet, you know, like it's a really different movie than Superbad in a lot of ways. But it's got that like Rogan and Goldberg sensibility of like teen boys doing the dumbest things imaginable, but having this like core of love and like need to be loved at in the middle of them. And it's but it's not overly sentimental about it in any way. Um it just kind of hits at exactly the right moments when you need it. And it's got this great voice cast, um, starting with like the four actual teenagers who voice the the turtles. Yeah. And uh, also the villains in this one, Superfly does turn out uh, is a fly. Uh, and the movie actually starts with a sequence of Baxter Stockman, which means something if you like turtles and otherwise he's just a scientist. Well, he's also voiced uh, by Giancarlo Esposito and you're like, mm, you're not around yeah. for just one movie, are you, Giancarlo Esposito? Because he's not in much of this one. <laughs> That is true. Uh, we all know what happens to Baxter Stockman if you were born in the 80s. Um, but uh, if you don't, you don't know what happens. So don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Uh, they definitely already announced that there's going to be a television series leading up to the next movie. There will be another movie. Uh, and uh, so the bad guys are Baxter Stockman's pets. Baxter's lonely. He's trying to turn his pets into actual people through the mut- mutagen. Uh T-G-R-I, back to being T-G-R-I instead of T-C-R-I like it was last time we saw them cinematically. Uh, hint again for future sequels. Um, is uh, Raids his basement apartment and Superfly escapes with uh, the other uh, mutants, which he sees as his siblings. So he's raising a family while Splinter is raising a family. And ultimately, as these two groups come together and are forced to do battle, it's sort of pivoted around how Splinter deals with his need to protect his family versus how Superfly deals with his need to protect his family. So I was very happy to see a uh, movie about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where they're all definitely turtles, but where the main thrust is uh, about who's raising them because they haven't really matured to the point where like, yeah, Raphael has an anger problem, but like the movie's not about him dealing with that anger problem. I guess Leonardo sort of has an arc of like a sort of leader that nobody respects. And at the end, they sort of respect his leadership. He's like the goody two shoes. Yeah. But uh, the the emotional core of the movie is between how do you protect these like found mutant families? Yeah. uh, During the mayhem. It was funny to me that my kids walked out not really knowing the difference between the turtles because growing up, it was just like Donatello is the smart one and he has the staff and Leonardo is the lead. Like you just knew them like in your bones and they don't really make a lot of effort to distinguish them from each other, which doesn't mean that they're bland or generic. Like it's really entertaining, but they function much more as a group in terms of storytelling, Mm. which I think is really smart given how much else is going on. Yeah. There was one joke that I had to look up and then it turns out they just made it up, I think. Uh, But at one point they're all repeating bacon, egg and cheese. (laughs) And I'm like, what is is this like? Is this a a birds of prey joke? No, it's just just like teenage kids being stupid. Just teenage kids. And being, that's where like Iota Beery is uh, voicing April. And I think she's really mm-hmm. good. And like her voice sounds convincingly like a high schooler. And she's like, you know, there to be their friend. But like rolls her eyes at them repeatedly, as you would in that situation. Um, There's such a fun energy there. Yeah. And finally, the thing I love to talk about the most, 
Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, just <laughs> right straight back to Nine Inch Nails. It's I right. was... When, when I heard that they were doing the soundtrack, I'm like, I wonder what the version of the turtle theme will sound like. The answer is it's a Nine Inch Nails song now. The, turtle, <laughs> the Ninja Turtles theme is a Nine Inch Nails wow. song that um, it has some very aggressive drums that sound like the intro to the drums of the uh, first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles NES game. And there are some more like NES sounds sprinkled throughout. So if there's any sort of link to the turtles, it's to the NES game. Yeah, to but be clear, the they part, don't like cover the like teenage boot. It'd be nice if they did, but they do not. No, it's called. Uh, uh, I think the new the new theme is called like a new species or something. And it kicks in right as we after that Baxter Stockman thing, we go to a title card and Nine Inch Nails is just super loud. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's either. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like. Uh, like Nine Inch Nails, like so much, but like just like you, know, you it doesn't. Did. You just sounded a lot. Yeah, like that's Nine just like that, it. That's what but it like, sounds like, yeah. you get vibes of the Social Network in there. Like there are there are softer moments. There is storytelling happening in that score, but it is like electric and loud and aggressive did in a way that the movie like that? isn't. We've been listening to it in the car, like wow. ch- so, like so. Like Sam, who is younger, does not like it. Um, but Charlie, I think he likes listening to the music from the movie and kind of like reliving the movie through listening to the soundtrack, mm. which I think is something we all remember from that day. Although there's a lot of songs in it, like there's a lot of old rap songs in it, and there's a moment where they pass by something that is playing out of a speaker of the Vanilla Ice uh, Ninja Turtles rap, the Go Ninja, mm-hmm. Go Ninja, Go, and that's Sam's favorite song. So we've been toggling between Nine Inch Nails and Vanilla Ice in the car. No, 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 four non blondes for <laughs> Sam. No, I need to pull that up though because that's a really that's a good sequence. That's a whole that chase movie. sequence. Oh, like that's a whole chase sequence yeah, that's to, sort of scored uh, to, to four non blondes. Uh, yeah. Paul Rudd in that sequence and throughout it, like. I didn't know that Paul Rudd in a voice role could like delight me so much at this point. But as he's... Mondo Gecko, he gets yeah. a introducing Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko credit at the end of this movie, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I love an, I love a with and, and I, I think it's with Ice Cube and Jackie Chan and introducing Paul Rudd Take as Paul Mondo Rudd. Gecko. Paul Rudd gets a really good trailer moment, and I wonder how it plays in the movie where he goes... Um... These humans got to go. <laughs> I was uh, bonding with our colleague Matt Singer about this line. It's like a um, like a slap in the base for the. Uh, it's slap in the, the base, or it's like, um, oh my god, I'm I'm uh, what's the David Wayne movie that we all love where he goes the to the commune? No, the commune. Oh, oh Wanderlust. Wanderlust. There's a scene oh. where he's looking in the mirror and he's like. I'm going to stick it in your badge. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's doing that for kids now. But he's like, the humans got to go. He's also good on Only Murders in the Building. I've only seen the one episode, but like, good oh, for the you, new Paul season, Rudd. right. Yeah, you're yeah. having a good audience. Oh, August. yeah, that's out today. Yeah. The Renaissance. Yeah. A- after Ant-Man 3. We're not, we're overlooking that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to say one thing plot-wise, like, and not spoiling it too much, but it has a trope that, I don't know what it's in other than Spider-Man 2, but like when a bunch of New Yorkers are just like, hey, we're New York. We're going to defend our people. And they all band together. I get any time that happens. I like it. And it happens with, really well in this movie. Moment, yeah. yeah. But it's I, a Spider-Man it's, one moment. And it a Spider-Man happens in two non-Spider-Man moment. movies. And I can't think of what they are. But um, I like that one. That's true. Uh, it happens in most post 9-11 movies true. that were made before 2006. True. <laughs> David, or Dave, I have, I have a few uh, turtle related questions for you. Do they, do they have like a turtle van? In this, yeah. was a, like, oh, they do have a turtle van. They, it's it's not like uh, it's there's a there's a I think a track uh, one of the soundtrack tracks is called a conveniently placed van. Uh, <laughs> they it does show up and it does 
it look like it will in the future be the turtle van um but it is not like tricked out by donatello yet and they they're not like crime fighters until the very end of this movie Does it, yeah. they have uh, a pizza thrower tank you know that toy do you remember that toy that pizza thrower i do remember that uh no we haven't gotten there yet but there is yeah. a lot they, of pizza they do eat pizza obviously glad they eat pizza. yeah and uh there's there's somewhere to go is what i'm saying patches <laughs> there's lots of places to go with this, this I, franchise can i expect a a a krang in the in the future i think uh there's a non there's a krang that doesn't get unmasked uh in this movie oh i think wow um so i don't i don't know how much you guys got into the comics uh, but Maya Rudolph's character has a last name that her last name of her character in this movie is the Krang species. Uh, so I think that's definitely where we're going. That she does not get wrapped up by the end of the movie. Yeah, also weirdly uh, high build for how much of the movie she's in. Yeah, she's like barely in it. But like, yeah, the the uh, the company that she works for is uh, the TGRI is very present and. Uh, seems to have super advanced technology, so I think we're very close to a Krang, and we're very close wow. to the other guy I'm sure you're going to ask about. To anyone who I won't even ask is worried with all this jargon, uh, I cannot emphasize how little this matters when you're seeing this movie. <laughs> like, I watched Ninja Turtles, played with Ninja Turtles. I was going to ask you, you, if the... you, do you know a Krang? Do you know, you know Krang? No, I don't remember any of this stuff. I remember uh, Shredder, who um, may yeah, or may cool. not. Uh, be referenced in this movie um, and Splinter and the main turtles in April and that's about it um, was a brain alien he lived in a he had like his own suit a man suit but he lived in the waste I mean we might be going back into the cartoon very soon so I'm going to be very oh, I'm, uh, knowledgeable I'm but yes for anyone who is worried you do not need to know any of this stuff to go see the Ninja Turtles like here's kids, what you, you didn't need know to anything. know they're going to release this shit on digital platforms on September 5th, which is maddening. What? what? Please go see it in the theaters. Oh my god! Why do Paramount they keep doing has this? no idea what it's doing. That sounds great. What are you know. talking about? Oh, Jesus, go, no. Go, 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 Put do, movies in theaters so that people can see has, them. What are you talking about? It, it has been in theaters Bring for back theatrical a week open and will last be four weekend. more weeks. That's you don't not think this weeks is going to get it out of its system? This is something like thirty six days forever. Like how much money? Like Elemental. Hang on, I'm looking this up. Kids movies, especially, play for a long time because there's That's nothing true. coming out that kids can go see. It's ridiculous. Gosh, Elemental yeah. was number ten at the box office. It made one point three million dollars last weekend. That movie was considered a flop. Yeah, I really want uh, Turtles to do well. Uh, first of all, they've announced a, like a sequel already. They they're gonna have a TV show, so I see why they want to like get it out there. But I think this this is my second movie after Across the Spider Verse, which I got my digital copy today, uh, Tuesday, August eighth. I'm gonna watch it with uh, Java after this, even though it's two hours and forty some minutes. Uh, but this is another movie that I want to like frame by frame some parts. What they're doing animation wise, especially with uh, differences in lighting and like glow effects is really great. And if you are a fan of either uh, like Wu-Tang Clan or Nine Inch Nails, uh, seeing this in a loud theater is uh, super fun. Yeah, I had a great time. I, I saw it at a family screening. So I had uh, what I think was a five and six year old behind me. They were definitely uh, screaming uh, before the movie started, 
just randomly, which I understand kids do. Uh, but then once the movie started, either it was too loud and I couldn't tell or they were paying attention for like the entire time. I tweeted so, this, but like it was the first time that we've really I've taken the kids to a crowded theater. Like I've just, you know, gone to like random screenings before and like they laughed when the crowd laughed, even if they didn't get the joke. Like there's like an fun. infectious energy there. And like, I mean, that's the second time after Barbie that I've like been in a crowded laughing theater in the last month. And it's an amazing feeling. There's another reason that it shouldn't go on digital so soon. Yeah. Take it back, yeah. Paramount. But, go buy your fucking uh, ticket, Matt Hatches. Take your kid. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cowbunga, dude. She's, she's going to love. Uh, do they say Cowabunga? I don't know. Uh, yeah. They it might be in one of those like crosstalk. Not my segments, turtles. You know they say the word nipples yeah. a lot though. They do I say agree. the word nipples That's in a weird, way that but... it's funny. Well, they're, they're afraid of getting milked patches. It's <laughs> it's a very real joke. fear. <laughs> I mean, kind of a meet the parents joke. It, it, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, it's a reverse meet the parents joke uh, because they don't have any nipples. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem in theaters right now. Two people on this podcast telling you you should go see it. Go see it. Go see it. That does it for this week's show. Some of us will be back next week. Matt Patches will be on a vacation on a beautiful island i guess whatever uh we'll miss you we'll see you when you're back we'll see you later uh we promise not to gaslight listeners and pretend that you never hosted the show um and in the meantime tell the people who you are i am matt patches i'm the executive editor of uh, polygon.com i'm on twitter i'm on x at mr patches i'm on blue sky mr patches letterboxd uh what else fightingintheworm.com i bet you that we dipped into those old teenage mutant ninja turtle movies from michael bay uh and tried to talk about those at some point did you guys i i I put this on polygon the other day i have to recommend beyond i'm not saying go to polygon for this just go look for this video that the onion did about those old teenage mutant ninja turtles michael bay movies do you remember this video where they put um hyper-realistic penis, turtle penises on the turtles using just like, (laughs) you know, homemade CG. And it was like a whole goof video where the VFX designers of the turtle movie were talking about how to the lengths they went to put (laughs) realistic genitalia on the turtles. (laughs) It is just the greatest bit of comedy. That does Um, sound like something that's like... that Polygon readers were into uh, revisiting that with me. The Onion had just a a real kick. that they, They killed it. That's like charmingly stupid, almost exactly the way that the movie is. Like a little grosser, but very much in the vein. It's so perfect. Anyway, fightingtheworm.com. Listen to old episodes, please. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Uh, You can leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. It'll help us find new people. You can also email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. You can listen more to me on my Patreon podcast uh, that's uh, at patreon.com slash DA70 and Neil. Neil spelled the traditional way. And if you want to get a hold of that MCU book and you're not in Brazil, you can go to the mcubook.com and get your pre-order on there. 
Uh, I'm Katie Rich. I'm at Vanity Fair and on the Little Goldman podcast. We're still doing our book club this month, and we read Pas- Priscilla Presley's memoir this week. It's a wild ride. Um, if you want to prepare for Sofia Coppola's movie, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm not calling it X uh, at Katie Rich, K A T E Y R I C H, and we're all over there at F I T W R, uh, where you can talk to us about penises on Ninja Turtles. Maybe don't do that. Talk to us about Ninja Turtles, or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was, what is your favorite movie with a doomed boat in it? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.